want to ask if you will to take your Bibles and join with me in turning to the book of Ruth as we continue our exposition of this book today our text is going to be Ruth chapter 3 and I'm going to begin reading in verse 6 and read through verse 13 Ruth 6 or 3 6 through 13 I want to take a moment and just welcome those who have joined us via Facebook live over the internet welcome we are glad that you have joined with us and we pray that this will be a blessing to you following along beginning in verse 6 of Ruth chapter 3 hear God's word so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her and when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down at midnight the man was startled and turned over and behold a woman lay at his feet he said who are you and she answered I am Ruth your servant spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer and he said may you be blessed by the Lord my daughter you have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men whether poor or rich and now my daughter do not fear I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman and now it is true that I am a redeemer yet there is a redeemer nearer than I remain tonight and in the morning if he will redeem you good let him do it but if he is not willing to redeem you then as the Lord lives I will redeem you lie down until the morning this ends the reading of God's word how we pray that he would do a great work in our hearts and write its truths there today let's pray father we do ask you now to come and do a great work in the midst of your people Lord. we confess that we can only know what you reveal to us and now we pray that you will as you have promised to send the spirit to come and be our teacher and our guide to guide us into the truth that we may see our crucified and risen Savior please help us today O Lord we ask in Jesus name Amen relationships are interesting things aren't they all of us have many of them some of them are close some of them are distant some of them are maybe more close than we wish and some might be more distant than we wished it's interesting when you watch two young people a young man and a young woman who at one point don't know one another but come to know one another and through uh, uh, an interesting process uh, get closer and closer at first it's just an acquaintance but a friendship develops and soon they begin to realize that the other may be that special one 
to whom they should be with. The friendships become stronger and stronger. And there's more trust. And the conversations get a little more serious. And they come to realize that they love one another. And what they want is the most intimate of relationships. And that's marriage. Well, we have here in Ruth a very fast-moving story, and there's a lot of details that just simply aren't here. Uh, we have everything we need in the story, but what I described for you earlier about a young man and a young woman coming together is exactly what is taking place here in this book. Uh, a man and a woman become just acquaintances at first, but the relationship grows. He shows extraordinary kindness to her. She, in turn, shows her gratitude and her loyalty. And here in this budding relationship, this, this little short story, we have a beautiful picture of how Christ and the church are drawn together. We're going to see more of that today, but as I mentioned before, I want us to recognize that the story is changing. Uh, when we began this book, it was just a story of survival. Uh, it was two young widow uh, women, or, or, or in Naomi's case, not so young, uh, who had lost everything in a foreign land. They had lost their husbands. They had lost their, their means of provision and their protection. So they come back to Bethlehem. And there, Ruth begins to work in the field of Boaz. And so their most immediate need is met. They, they, there has been a great harvest, and, and they'll have food. They will have plenty. But the story is changing. It is progressing in the direction that perhaps we would not have predicted for a foreign widow girl. And everything has been building up to this moment here that we have here in chapter 3, this moment where Boaz and Ruth have this meeting at midnight. And what we see pictured here is that our Lord has come to his people not just to save us from the wrath of hell, the punishment of our sins we so justly deserve. No, Jesus wants for his church not only salvation from hell and a place in heaven. He wants us. He wants to be with us. Is that not amazing? He desires to be with us. And so what is happening in the church today in your individual lives and in our lives collectively collectively is that the Lord is working to draw us closer to him we're approaching that day little by little by little we are moving toward the great wedding day but even now we have a great taste of it don't we a, a foretaste we might say of knowing the Lord as he draws us closer and closer to him well this is pictured so beautifully in our story uh, in the verses that we're going to consider this morning. So let's look there now and see how this is pictured for us. 
our approach today is going to be like this. We're, we're first going to consider Ruth's humble approach. And then second, we're going to consider the response of Boaz. And then finally, we're going to uh, see uh, uh, that there is a time of, of waiting and suspense. And so first, Ruth, a, a humble proposal. Uh, the chapter title for this section uh, of Ruth, and one of the commentaries I consulted, is entitled, Ruth Proposes Marriage to Boaz. Proposes marriage to Boaz? Is that what's going on here? Well, that's really what is taking place, believe it or not. Uh, I, I know that when we think of proposals, what do we picture? Well, we picture a young man and a young woman. They maybe go out to a nice restaurant or to a, a, a beautiful park or something. They're talking, and at some point, what does he do? He gets down on a knee, pulls out the ring, and she's... <gasps> She sees what's going on, and he pops the question. I don't know why they always say pop the question, but he asks the question, will you marry me? Well, let's just say that this didn't happen this way in the story, but I get ahead of myself. Uh, as we are thinking about our text, uh, what stands out, what I want us to see this morning is not... The, the details uh, uh, of what happened. But I want us to look closely at the characters and how they stand out. What is it that we are to see here in these, these characters in the story? Well, first, let's consider Ruth. And the first thing that I want us to notice about her is her obedience. Her obedience. Ruth, it says here, did just as her mother-in-law commanded her now uh, the commentators point out that the wording here uh, is emphasizing this part where it says just as in the ESV and the word that is used there could be translated the whole thing everything the emphasis is on the, that, that that Ruth did this completely lacking nothing she didn't leave any steps out she didn't Second guess this. She didn't pause and wonder, okay, can I improve on this? No, Ruth made a commitment. And then she acted out on that commitment. And I point this out because if you remember where we left off last week in verse 5, it says there, and she, Ruth, replied, all that you say I will do. And what I want us to see here is that Ruth made a commitment but then she followed up on that commitment. It's easy to make a commitment, isn't it? Talk is cheap. I mean, we can, we can say all day long. But the question is, do we do? Well, in the case here of Ruth, she has not only made a commitment verbally, but she has acted out that commitment, and she has done so completely. He didn't leave any part of it out. And I thought about this and thought how, how easy it is for us to say, okay, yes, I'll do that. But sometimes we don't do it, uh, or maybe we don't do it thoroughly. We don't do it completely with regard to the Lord's commands. If you remember this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31, he said, what do you think? 
a man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Of course, it's a rhetorical question, right? It's the one who went. Jesus in John 14, verse 15 said, If you love me, you will say that you will keep my commandments. That's not what he said, is it? He said, you will keep. So, we can say, and I'll tell you, we don't even have to say. The Lord says, go. The Lord says, obey. The Lord says, do. And so this is what the Lord wants from us. He wants obedience. He wants us to act. If what we do isn't in accord with what we say regarding the Lord's commandments, what difference does it make if we said it? We're just, we're just trying to look good, aren't we? <laughs> in coming to, to Boaz to make this proposal, Ruth here has not just simply said that she's going to do it. And notice also that she's not acting on an idea that she had. She was given instructions. And she follows these constructions completely, thoroughly. She is obedient. We see her obedience and we also see her confidence. Her confidence. Or, or we might also call it boldness. Uh, not not brash, not brazen, but confident. It says in verse 7 that Ruth came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And we, we read that and think, well, well, that doesn't sound like a confident young lady, does it? <laughs> but as we read on, we, we later find out that when Boaz was startled, she said, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, this phrase here that she says, spread your wings, probably not familiar to us, but that was a euphemism in her day. And what it was was a, a euphemism for marriage. This is a proposal. The spreading of a man's garment over a woman symbolized him taking her under his care, like, like, a, like a bird spreading its wings over its, its young ones. Okay, yes. I'll take care of you. I will provide for you. I will protect you. Now that's a, a bold request, folks. And we might ask, well, where does this confidence come from? I mean, think about who we have here. Think about the characters, okay? Ruth and Boaz. This is an unlikely union, as unlikely as we could imagine. Daniel Blanc in his commentary says this. This is extraordinary. For as she has just described herself, she is a lowly servant. And he is the master. She is an un uninvited visitor on his turf. She is a woman and he is a man. She is a foreigner and he is a native. If we think back to chapter 2. We remember a, a description there of Boaz uh, who was called a worthy man. Uh, Boaz here in this town of Bethlehem is probably one of its leading citizens. He's well known. 
He's a valiant man. He's probably led in some battles. Excellent reputation. He's like a nobleman. He's wealthy. He has land. He has lots of people who work for him. And he oversees all of this. And so here is this person that's at the top of the totem pole. And here comes this foreigner who's a widow at the bottom. And brothers and sisters, to make this proposal takes unusual confidence, doesn't it? Where does Ruth get this confidence? Well, I think that there may be three reasons that I'll offer to you quickly. First, she is trusting in the instructions of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Remember, Ruth, she doesn't know these customs. She doesn't know these people. So she has to trust the instructions, right? So with us, trust the instructions. Listen to the word. We can't improve on it. We don't need to change it. Trust the instructions. <laughs> uh, second, Ruth, as we have seen, has, there's been some time passed, and she has come to recognize what kind of man Boaz is. And I think that she has begun to, to realize that this man Boaz just might take me up on this. He's a very kind man. I see what kind of man this is. He's been very gracious and, and merciful and kind. I have asked you and challenged you about memorizing one Hebrew word from the book of Ruth. Do you remember what it is? The word kesed. Kindness. Loving kindness. Steadfast love, it's often translated. And remember Naomi's words, her prayer from chapter 1. May the Lord deal kindly with you. May the Lord grant that you find rest in the house of your husband. And so in saying all of this and putting all of this together, the third thing that I think gives Ruth this confidence is in embracing the God of Israel. She has recognized that Boaz is simply replicating the kindness of the Lord. The covenant of faithfulness. And Ruth, remember, she has forsaken her land, her people, her gods. She has embraced this God who she knows cares for even the lowliest. This kind of confidence is what God's people must have. And so the Lord exhorts us from Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Don't hesitate, brothers and sisters. Go to Christ. He has invited us. Come to me. Jesus says, you don't have to hesitate. Come to the Lord Jesus. He's a great high priest who sympathizes with us. He's been tempted as we have. And he knows us. And he invites us to come and to come closer. Uh, third, I want us to see not only Ruth's obedience and confidence, but I want us to see 
that balancing out with this confidence is submission. Submission. Uh, balance is always important, isn't it? Now, now we see this not only in her posture. She comes and lays at Boaz's feet. But listen to her words from verse 9. I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. Now, I've tried to, to tell you this before, but when you see two things in close proximity like that, that usually means that there should be some emphasis there. And this is exactly what Ruth is doing. She comes confidently to Boaz, but she comes recognizing who she is in relation to him. Now, it's interesting here, and we want to point out that the word that she uses here for servant is a different word than what she's used before. Uh, back in chapter 2, verse 13, she used a word that indicated more her, her class or her status. Remember, she was just kind of getting to know Boaz then. But here, after having been with him, having worked with him some, some time, she is coming to him using a, a, a word that in some translations is translated as handmade. And what it means is that she's coming as someone who is eligible as a bride and wants to serve Boaz in that manner. As a wife. Still a servant. But her status has been elevated. So that she can come alongside him and serve him. I'm reminded of the, the verse in Ephesians 5.24. Now as the church submits to Christ. So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. In that passage, notice there that it is the church that establishes the pattern for wives. And I think we need to be mindful that as we come to the Lord, we come as his servants. We come to serve him. We offer ourselves up to him. Well, that's. That's a glance at Ruth. I want us to consider next what our passage has to say about Boaz. Now, uh, it's important to remember the setting, okay? Uh, harvest is over, and they've gathered all the, the sheaves together, and they're now going through this process called winnowing. It takes place at the winnowing floor. And what they would do is that they would find a, a large flat piece of rock or a hard piece of clay that they had stamped down and pile up the, the, the sheaves and stomp it or beat it with something and what would happen is that the the grain would separate from the chaff and then they would throw the the chaff up and let the wind blow it so that they would only have grain so this is what they've been doing interesting to me that this proposal and and marriage takes place at that time isn't that interesting i don't know if there's anything to draw out from that but one wonders <laughs> There could be some symbolism. It, it is striking if it is. But anyhow, this, this meeting takes place at the threshing floor. They're on the edge of one of the fields. And it's a very festive time. What people are doing during the, the winnowing is they're celebrating. There's been an abundant harvest. Remember, before that harvest, there had been a famine. And God has, has sent the rain and the famine's over. And so they're, they're celebrating. It's very festive. You'll see there in verse 7 it says, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And here's where we find the first characteristic that I want us to notice in Boaz. And it is gladness. Gladness. Now you say gladness. That word isn't in there. Where did you, where did you get gladness? 
Well, you see there where it says his heart was merry. I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, well, Boaz may have had one glass too many. <laughs> and maybe that tendency has influenced our translators. But this word here that's used in the Hebrew is never translated drunk or inebriated. Mary here carries with it the same idea that we mean when we use it. And we use this word a lot a particular time of year, don't we? Merry Christmas. What do we mean? Go get drunk. No, <laughs> that's not what we mean, is it? I hope that's not what you mean. <laughs> it's not what I mean. Be well. Be blessed. May, may this be a time of gladness for you. And that's what this means here to, to be glad to be good to be joyful and at peace now what's amazing here is that this word was previously used but we lost it because it was translated differently if you look back up at verse 1 here in chapter 3 when Naomi is giving the instructions to Ruth she says my daughter should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you. That it may be well is the same word. And so what we're finding out here is that it is well for Boaz. This, this desire that Naomi has for Ruth is something that Boaz already has. He sounds like the perfect match, doesn't he? And so here is a man who is happy and blessed and glad, who is going to bring about the happiness and blessedness and gladness of Ruth. He's, he's full, not just literally. Yeah, he's, he's eaten, he's drunk, he's full, but figuratively, he's a happy man, he's content, he's at peace with God. Now, I think that this passage is trying to tell us a little more about Boaz. There's a story in Genesis 32. And in this particular story, it's about Jacob who has been gone away for a long, long time. He's gotten a wife. He's gotten all these flocks and herds and he's going back home. But remember, he's afraid. Why? He's afraid of his brother Esau. And so Jacob at one point, he, he has stopped and he, he prays and he says this in Genesis 32, 9. O God of my father Abraham and, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who has said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do good. This is the same word here that's translated Mary, that I may do good. This is what God had told Jacob. I want you to go back so that you'll be full and happy and blessed and, and have gladness. So God had spoken to Jacob and told him this. Go back to the promised land. <laughs> and Jacob continues in verse 10. I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. That steadfast love again is kessed, kindness. And what I want you to see here is the connection between Boaz's gladness and fullness and blessedness and the Lord's kindness. Why does Boaz possess this gladness? Because he's in covenant with God. 
He recognizes God's faithfulness. And God has kept his promise to him. And so he's glad, he's full, he's happy, he's blessed. Blessed. This is what the, the covenant promise is to God's people. You'll be blessed. And Boaz, like Jacob, is one who is content and happy and in covenant with Israel's God. He has received his kindness and his steadfast love. And so he's, he's glad, he's merry. Second, I, I want us to see here that Boaz is qualified. He's qualified. Interestingly, we, we find this in verse 9 where Boaz, upon being startled, asks, Who are you? Now, now remember, uh, he's had a lot to eat, a lot to drink. He's full. He's tired. It's the end of the day. And he lays down and he falls asleep. And he's in a deep sleep. But let me ask you, if you're asleep and it, as it did then, uh, in this context, got a little chilly at night. If you were in that context and I came along and uncovered your feet, what would happen? At some point, you are probably going to wake up. Something's wrong here. You, you'll be sleeping, maybe having one of those weird dreams like, why are my feet so cold? And you'll wake up as Boaz did. And he, there in the darkness, sees the figure of another person and says who are you now watch Ruth's answer because the answer tells us more about Boaz than it does Ruth <laughs> uh, another little tidbit there isn't it interesting that Ruth takes the 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 spotlight and pushes it back on Boaz there's a lesson there I think but anyway <laughs> she she answers I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. for and, and here's the focus. You are a redeemer. That is a near kinsman. A, a redeemer. Now, now remember previously that Naomi up in verse 2 had referred to Boaz as our relative. That is uh, uh, someone uh, who has an obligation to her dead husband, Elimelech. But the word here, redeemer, is focused more on what Boaz is qualified to do. Remember that Naomi had told her, he will tell you what to do because he knows. And Ruth confidently comes and tells Boaz that he must do what one who possesses these qualifications must do exclusive yes y unique no because there's another but again i get ahead of myself <laughs> boaz is merry filled with gladness his heart is full he's blessed and he's he's qualified to be the redeemer and so things are are really looking good here for ruth aren't they but i want us to see one more thing with regard to Boaz, and it is that he is eager. He's eager to accept this proposal, this proposal that was just sprung on him. And now, now, now let's hold on a second. Look, this is a big deal, isn't it? I mean, we would never tell anybody, yeah, just run off and get married to this person. 
Yeah, they propose. Great. We'll go off and get married. No, there needs to be a little bit of time. Let's okay. Let's talk about it. And we would not be bothered a bit if Boaz had said, "Wow, I, I'm I'm so humbled. I, I'm flattered. Uh, give me a a, a a a couple of weeks, or a day or two, or an hour or two. And there's no wait. <laughs> Why? Because he's ready." He's eager, and I can't help but wonder. Has Boaz been thinking about this? Has he been wondering? Remember, now he had kind of kept his distance. Why? This was a widow. You give her her time. You give her her space. And plus, there's a big gap here. She, she may not want to come. And he's older. When I say Boaz is older, I have to confess that that means I'm older because Boaz, if I've read everything correctly, he's probably about my age. Ruth is probably about 25. So he's ready and he's willing and he is even eager, desirous of this proposal. Look with me at his response, verses 10 and 11. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. I want you to focus particularly on that phrase. I will do for you all that you ask. That response, again, makes me think that Boaz, maybe he had been hoping for this. <laughs> maybe he had thought about this. Um, maybe he had said, you know, if Ruth ever comes and, and makes a proposal, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm going to be ready. He's a complete, content, happy man who could have said, you know what? I've got everything I need. I've got, I've got a great reputation. I've got these fields. I've got plenty of work, uh, a great harvest. I've had a great life. But Boaz says yes. Why? Well, there's an opportunity here for him to, to not only provide for and care for and protect but to have intimacy uh, do you see it <laughs> or are you seeing what i really hope you are seeing there's an opportunity here for a wife for intimacy and as great as boaz has it he doesn't have that and he wants that with this foreign girl this widow who's at the very bottom of the totem pole what does she have to offer him think about it folks Boaz is eager he is enthusiastic about this and I can't think but think of, of how this, this pictures for us the redemption 
of our Lord. So beautifully, uh, the verse that came to mind, Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy of the cross, despising its shame, so that he could have intimacy with us. That's something. Well, Ruth brings a humble proposal. Boaz is a willing redeemer. And there's one final thing that I think we should see here and that there is a time of waiting. A time of waiting. We would have loved to have been reading this story and had gotten to the end of verse 11 or at least seen something there segue to a wedding scene and they lived happily ever after. But no, there is some suspense and some intrigue here. And so we have to pause. Verse 12, Boaz speaking, And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. And suddenly and unexpectedly, this story has a little twist in it, doesn't it? A moment of suspense and mystery. Hold on before we get to the they live so happily ever after. We have an unexpected turn. <laughs> an unexpected turn. Do you know about these? You know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I've got a plan, and all of a sudden, er, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I thought I was. <laughs> Things are going to go a certain way. We've got it all worked out. It's easy to say, hard to do. Hard to embrace this, but uh, I just have to tell you this, brothers and sisters, as believers in Christ, he hasn't revealed everything to us yet, the specifics of your life, and so you need to expect the unexpected. There's going to be a plot twist somewhere. And you are even going to say, that's fine, I'm okay with a plot twist. It's going to come when you don't think it's coming. <laughs> This is necessary because if you had all the details, guess what you wouldn't need? Faith. You would not grow in your faith. God brings these unexpected plot twists along to allow us to grow in our faith. So Boaz, and I wonder, when, when he said this, uh, I, I try to picture Ruth's face. Of course, it's dark there. I don't know if they could even see each other very well. But Boaz says uh, of this other redeemer, if he will redeem you good, let him do it. Now, I don't know if Ruth knew about this person, but I can't help but think that her heart sank. Oh, no. I'm willing to bet that Naomi didn't mention this part. It's not in the text. Maybe she did. But Ruth now has an extra challenge here in front of her. But 
this is easy for us, right? Because we know the end of the story. We've read all of it. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? You've read the end of your story. You know how this is going to (laughs) end. As I I worked my way through this, the, the verse that came to mind was when Jesus met with the disciples and he told them that he was going away. And he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. So there's a pause. What do we do? What are we supposed to do here in the meantime? And I think that the Lord's word to us is that we must be at peace. Be at peace and trust that the Lord is going to take care of things and enjoy him. Enjoy his presence and draw closer to him. Notice two things that Boaz says to Ruth. Uh, First in verse 13, remain tonight. Isn't that interesting? Remain tonight. And then at the end of the verse, lie down until morning. Now, what's he saying? Now, don't think that there's anything inappropriate that's going on here. There's nothing to suggest it in the text. But what is Ruth, what what is Boaz saying to her? Stay here. Stay close. Remain. And so we have this period from the time they stop speaking here just after midnight till sunup in the morning, right as Ruth is leaving, where we don't know what happened. Did they fall back asleep? Maybe so. But in my mind's eye, you know what I think? I think think they just sat there and had the most beautiful, long conversation of people who are here potentially engaged. And I think they got to know each other. Ruth, tell me more about growing up in Moab. Boaz, tell tell me more about you. And they got closer closer because he invited her don't leave stay here remain then maybe while we're waiting this is what the Lord is calling us to do to to come closer to draw nearer one last thing that we see here and that is the time is short yes there's this waiting there's this pause This unexpected twist in the story, but the time is short. And in the grand scheme of things, as we're here waiting, living out our days, we have to recognize that the time is short. Boaz is committed to this young lady. And when is he going to get an answer? When is this thing going to be solved? The very next day. Actually, later on that day, right? (laughs) Because he says... Remain tonight and in the morning. I'll deal with this. He is committed to getting this resolved. And brothers and sisters. One day. Maybe in a million years or so. Me and you will look back at our little tiny short lifespans. (laughs) And worship the Lord and thank him for how quickly. He took care of things, all the all the doubts that we have and the and the troubles that we have in this life and the questions and the confusion that that come against us. The Lord has said, I'm going to take care of this. And the time is coming quickly. It's it's a short time. 
when we look at it in the scope of all eternity. The Lord is coming, our Redeemer. He's coming quickly. And as we wait, let us draw closer to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. What great consolation it gives to us. How it strengthens our hearts. We thank You for the hope of the Gospel. That the Lord Jesus has acted in such a way to, to save us from our sins. But not only that, to, to prepare a place for us, His bride. And he's coming for soon. We long for that day. And until that day, we pray, Father, that you would help us to grow, strengthen us, and draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.